This podcast is brought to you by the Wharton School at the University of Pennsylvania. And we start out this hour talking with uh, one of our great uh, guests who's been with us in the past, celebrity chef and restaurateur, Andrew Zimmern. Andrew, great to talk to you again. Hope you're doing well. Uh, I am. Thank you. Likewise, Dan. So since we last talked to you, kind of lay out how things uh, have played for you and your restaurants and your operations as a whole. Well, I, I think the, the the best thing that I could do is point to a word that you used uh, just a few moments ago in your introduction, which is the appearance. And there's always the appearance versus the reality. The uh, After uh, President uh, Biden's inauguration, uh, the Restaurants Act uh, seemed that we had spent a year pushing, and when I say we, I mean the Independent Restaurant Coalition, of which I'm a founding member. Uh, this was a $120 billion grant program uh, that everyone, uh, many independent organizations, our own Chamber of Commerce, uh, had all agreed was the necessary amount uh, to make sure that the restaurant industry, the independent restaurant industry, didn't disappear and go away. And for those for whom this is this is a new piece of information, uh, the restaurant industry, independent restaurants, are the second largest business in America, second only to the U.S. government. Um, represents five percent of GDP. It's a massive industry with you know eleven to fourteen million employees, depending on how you calculate it. And of course, during the pandemic, the largest percentage of employees uh, on the unemployment lines uh, were restaurant workers. And they affect the supply chain, tourism. It's a huge, huge piece of our economy that often gets ignored. Uh, when the uh, CARES Act came out, uh, restaurants were not included. Uh, we pushed, uh, thanks to Tom Colicchio and his relationship with Senator Schumer, we got $29 billion put back into the bill. Uh, that went over to the SBA to be distributed uh, to restaurants prioritizing. There was a there was a uh, application process, and we wanted to prioritize uh, restaurants owned by people of color, owned by women, restaurants owned by veterans, restaurants that made less than five hundred thousand dollars a year. In other words, let's reward the people for whom the pandemic hit hardest. Sure, them first in line. And then let other people get in line behind them. Well, we had so many hundreds of thousands of applications totaling almost $80 billion, uh, which was something that we at the IRC expected. The, with only $29 billion and a series of lawsuits uh, claiming that it was uh, unconstitutional to put some restaurateurs ahead of others, that that money is now frozen in the app. Everything is now in stasis. I think the bigger problem, that's on the, the legal side. That's what's happening right now with restaurants. The IRC were fighting to actually create a moot situation. And the way we do that is to get another $50 billion uh, from the Fed, put that in the fund, don't yeah. prioritize everyone, give everybody who applied their money, uh, and uh, we think we have a chance at think we have a chance at not seeing an extinction event. Yeah. Right now, technically, 120,000, 130,000 restaurants, independent restaurants out of 600 and some odd thousand are technically closed. That's, a, that's about 20%. Mm -hmm. 
But we know there's another 20% that have their doors shut. They just haven't registered that way. Um, and then there's more that would close if they didn't get the money. Um, it's a horrific situation. And what happens is people go by Main Street on Saturday night and they look at the restaurants. They say, wow, they're, they're, they seem full. There's busy. There's a line outside. Well, the fact of the matter is most restaurants don't have enough employees to open full time. They're only open five days a week or limited yep. service. And you can't make up for 14, 15 months of being closed by having a few good days a week. It just doesn't work that way. Restaurants have taken on an extreme amount of debt. So the situation, while seemingly, seemingly uh, better, is actually just as precarious as it was, say, six or eight months ago. So it's interesting you bring that up because I, I was having lunch at a restaurant near my house in the Philadelphia suburbs uh, about a week, week and a half ago, um, you know, uh, kind of like a sports bar type restaurant. Yeah. And I went in and I sat at the bar and I started to, you know, look at the menu and I was talking with uh, the bartender about placing an order. I said, okay, can, can I get a, you know, X burger? He goes, well, no, because I, I don't have any beef right now. I can't get the delivery. Uh, I go, okay, well, can I get... Uh, X chicken. He goes, well, no, uh, that's kind of in the same boat. And so I, I saw this firsthand is that you have, as you mentioned, the staffing issues, but the supply issues that are going on right now that, that really hamper what restaurants can do at this point. That, that's right. And, and a lot of those supply chain issues have to do with employees, right? That's a, that's yeah. a very, very big piece of it. You can't produce as much product, push as much product, through the plant, so to speak, uh, with fewer employees. Even if you're down 5, 10, 15 percent uh, of human beings on the line, and the reason it's not there is they've gotten, there's been a lot of government assistance monies, and so some people have opted out of returning to work right away. It's yeah. summer. Some have decided to return to work in September. I think the, 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 big myth is that that's the only reason. There's another five or six. And one of the big ones is with so many places closed during the pandemic, a lot of people started a side hustle and a lot of people. And I think this is going to be one of the untold uh, silver linings of the pandemic. The side hustles have turned into real jobs that they like better, that are better for their lifestyle. And some of those side hustles are going to be the and I, 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 this is no exaggeration, the, the Microsofts of 10 years from now. I sure. think during the pandemic, smart people sat in a garage and created things that we don't even know about. The havoc on the supply chain to go from limited three or four months ago into full tilt boogie, which is required now during the summertime. Yeah. Uh, during the summertime, uh, animals require special care because of the heat. Water issues uh, in the West have hampered a lot of farming uh, and agriculture. Um, we have uh, a, a situation right now where, you know, in the northern half of the country, growing season is short. Plants are in the ground. They have to be cared for. And, you know, food has to be harvested by hand. It's It's not a commodity crop that can be harvested by a giant machine. All of yeah. these things have huge implication, implications on the supply chain. Right now, there is a massive uh, chicken uh, wing shortage in America, so everybody is now cutting uh, commodity thighs and breasts and doing fingers uh, at restaurants. So, of course, now there's going to be a huge 
uh, push on that. We just can't seem to catch up with supply. Now, I don't want to scare people. We have hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of millions of tons of, of meat and poultry in freezers. There, there, there's not going to be a run on protein. People are going to get fed. But with restaurants and their specific specs for products, that's where you're seeing the, the biggest problem. What needs to occur now over the next 6 to 12 months to improve overall the overall scenario here for, for the restaurant industry? Well, I, 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 think the, I, I think the Fed needs to, you know, refill uh, the, the bucket over at the SBA uh, for independent restaurants and the, uh, the RFF, the, or the Restaurant Revitalization Fund. I think that, that's the first thing that has to happen. I think the second thing that has to happen is we've been kicking the can down the road for 50 years. Immigration reform has to occur so that we can make sure that we have workers in the fields, on the boats, in the factories, uh, when we need them. Summertime is the biggest, biggest pressure on that system uh, in terms of temporary employees and visas. We have to get people here who want those jobs. And then I think this, this is the most interesting part. Right now, we have food issues decided. I mean, I, I keep saying the word SBA. I never yeah. thought I would be talking about the Small Business Administration administering monies to restaurants. Now, they're doing a fantastic job. And, and I mean, the, the uh, Madam Gutierrez, who runs the SBA, uh, I believe I have that correct, is doing an yeah. incredible, incredible job. But we have food decisions spread out over too many government agencies. I think it's time for a food czar in America. I think it should be a cabinet-level position. When any economist will tell you that food, restaurants, the supply chain, you put it all together, tourism, food and hotels, food access in, in uh, public and private spaces, uh, it becomes a huge part of our GDP, approaching almost 18 19%. I think it's time that we have a cabinet-level position simply to deal with food issues so all the decisions are made with one, by one agency that's actually in control of something that's such a vital part of the American business life. Uh, about a minute left. How do you think, then, this has all changed the mindset of the, of the independent restaurant owner moving forward? Oh, I don't think anything has. Independent restaurant uh, owners are committed uh, to serving people. I was with a couple of owners in a restaurant the other night, one of my first nights out down in Chicago, and every single person there said the same thing. No one got into the business to get rich, although some have gotten lucky and made money. Uh, everybody is in it because they love the feeling that you get when you put a plate of food down in front of someone and you see their reaction. People get engaged in restaurants. They celebrate milestones in restaurants. We learn about culture in restaurants. As Americans, we inhale culture first out, not necessarily by traveling overseas, but just traveling to the other side of town where there's a community cooking a food that's different than your own. It is a vital part of American lifestyle and culture, and that's what restaurateurs, that's why we do what we do. Um, yeah. And I think the passion and creativity from those people that you saw during COVID, all of that pivoting and repivoting, no one was asked to pivot more than the restaurant industry. And while we were being kneecapped, we were the ones out there feeding first responders. We were second yeah. responders. So I think that creative class of entrepreneurs and human beings and talented workers uh, at every level of the restaurants uh, are going to be 
uh, back in force once there is an entity to go back into. Andrew, as always, great to talk with you. And, hey, at some point uh, when we're back in our studio full-time, we'll have you uh, down here in Philadelphia for a, a nice conversation. Well, we, we would love to. The, the addressing the legal side of things is, uh, I think, in changes on Capitol Hill is where we're headed with this. It's a topic yep. for another day. Thank you for doing this. You got it, Andrew. All the best. Andrew Zimmern, celebrity chef and restaurateur. To keep engaged with Wharton Business Daily and other Wharton School shows, visit businessradio.wharton.upenn.edu.